Take your Bibles, if you will, and open them to the book of Proverbs. Now, I know that's uh, contrary to what you're seeing in the bulletin, but that's my fault. It's not Rhonda's. I have, um, I have changed horses in the middle of the stream, and that's, uh, I guess that's my prerogative, I, I guess, I hope. But um, I, I hope that you'll understand why I have before we're finished. I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 11. And I'm going to read you but one verse out of the book of Proverbs. If you know anything about the book of Proverbs, it's often arranged in couplets um, where there is just a, a, a brief, um, succinct statement of truth. And this is uh, one example of that. Uh, and actually, the couplet, I'm only going to concentrate on the first half of that couplet. But I'll read you the whole verse. It's in Proverbs 11. And it's at verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Now again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm only going to focus your attention on the first half of verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, that is something that it endures forever, ladies and gentlemen. Don't ask me why I thought of this. Don't ask me why it came. I have no explanation. But do you remember years ago? It's got to be, I'm showing my age. But back in my old teenage days, there was a song. And um, it was, you know, kind of the hip hop. uh, Maybe that's a, it was kind of bebop. Maybe that's more uh, descriptive. But it was on the radio, and you know it. Um, and why these lyrics have lodged in my brain, I do not know. They are really nonsensical. Uh, I don't even. I think the name of the song was "Good Timing." I think. And I looked. I mean, I did all my Google searching this week, and never could find it. Never could get the lyrics of the ter- of the song. But the, the lyrics said uh, part of the lyrics was, "If little little David hadn't grabbed that stone lying there on the ground." Big Goliath might have stomped on him instead of the other way around. Remember that? But he had timing. Oh, 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 big timing. Timing, 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 timing is a thing. It's true. Good timing. You remember that song? I'll give you, I'll give you another verse. I'll tell you, I'll tell you verse three. <clears throat> what would have happened if you and I hadn't just happened to meet? We might have spent the rest of our lives walking down misery street. <laughs> but we had Timing, oh, 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 good timing, a pick, a pick, a pick, a good, you know, that was the song. Now, um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I don't know whether that song really ever made it to the top or how many copies it sold, but the, but the point of the song is what I'm alluding to, and, and it is a correct one. It's the, it's the issue of timing. You know, a lot rides on timing. Uh, have you chosen the right time? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope by the time I'm finished today that you will accuse me of being guilty of right timing. I hope what I'm about to say is timed rightly. I'm not sure, but I'm hoping that this is good timing on my part. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I have been looking for a time to refresh this congregation over what I see 
as the calling of Grace Evangelical Church. And, and if you've never heard, that calling has a name to it. The calling that I see us being a part of as a church goes under the title of Grace Venture. I have been looking for a time to remind us and refresh us of the issues that are in, packed into this, this title known as Grace Venture. What on earth is Grace Venture? Well, I'm going to tell you in a minute. But, but first of all, let me speak one other or a couple of other words about this timing thing. Because, ladies and gentlemen, last Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, as many of you know, we had a congregational meeting here at Gracie Van. And um, had I preached this sermon last week, I think I was risking a good deal of misunderstanding. If I'd have preached what I'm about to preach last week, I think many of you would have misunderstood me as trying to somehow steer the vote that was taken last Wednesday night in one direction or the other. I didn't want to influence you. And if you came to that congregational meeting, you'll recall that I opened it with prayer and then sat out and really wasn't a part of the presentation until the closing at all. I didn't want to influence you one way or the other. So I really couldn't have preached what I'm about to preach this morning last week or really any Sunday prior to last Wednesday. Now, that's part of the explanation of the timing. And then at the meeting last Wednesday night, a question was asked. A question arose about Grace Venture. And that question alarmed me. And it alarmed me for this reason. The question was a good question, ladies and gentlemen, and it was asked by a faithful man. And the question he asked was something like this. Uh, this is not a quote, but I, I think he would agree that this is pretty much the essence of the question. Is the building of a sports complex back in the back, back here, contradictory to a grace venture culture? Now, guys, first of all, you're going to have to know what a grace venture culture is. Let, let me tell you what, what I've said again and again and again in here. And, and, um, and I, I'll continue to say it as the years unfold, Lord willing. Grace venture is a call to the congregation known as Grace Evan to live more simply so that we can give more sacrificially so that we can focus on the accomplishment of the Great Commission. If you want a nice little sentence that summarizes Grace Venture, I just gave it to you. It's the call to the people of God to live more simple, simply. Cut out some of those things that clog up our schedules. Live more simply so that we can give our monies, our time, our, our those two things more sacrificially. So that we can accomplish and focus on the Great Commission. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Grace Venture. Now, 
Let me go back to the question. The question was, does the building of a sports complex back here, is that in some way contradictory to a Grace Venture culture? And the alarm that was inside of me had nothing to do with the question. The alarm was the realization that I haven't done a good job explaining to you why at least I, I don't know about the rest of the people, but it, I, just, just me, why I, not only do I not see them as contradictory, I see them as complementary. I failed you, ladies and gentlemen. I failed you in terms of vision casting. But what I'm saying is, at least one word in my defense, is that I didn't want to wrongly influence you concerning this vote that we took on Wednesday night. But that's done. That vote is behind us, ladies and gentlemen, and, and it passed, and we're moving forward, and, and, and I celebrate that. But I thought it might be wise to at least share with you my perspective. Um, not that you're going to agree with me. You know, preachers who've been in this, doing this as long as I have know that you're never going to get people, everybody to agree with you. But I think it might, I thought it might be helpful at least for you to see how my twisted little mind works. So this morning, I have, I have a twofold purpose. Purpose number one is to reemphasize Grace Venture. And I've been looking for a chance to do that, ladies and gentlemen. The second part of my purpose is to show you why I and the elders see that Grace Venture and this sports thing that we're going to, these ball fields out here that we're going to build, are in complete concert. Now, that's why I started with the timing song. <laughs> to let you know a little bit at least about the reasons behind the timing. Okay? I hope it's good. Now, having said all that, could I have my text up on the, up on the screen? Guys, I want to I keep that in front of you. That's going to be up there the rest of the time I speak. I want you to know that I've given it, I want you to notice that I have given it to you in the NIV. Uh, I, the reason I did that is because I just think the words are, are um, more easily understood. Um, and, and I want to explain for you that text. And, um, and then make some applications and then I'm finished. You will notice that in that text, ladies and gentlemen, there are four main words. In fact, in the Hebrew, there are only four words. Now, up there, there's seven. But in the Hebrew, there's only four. There's only four words in the Hebrew text. And they're the key words, of course, of the statement. The key words are righteous, prosper, city, and rejoices. And those are the four words that you find in the Hebrew text. That's all you find. Now, in the tenses of the verbs and the endings and the suffixes and the pre... Uh, then you get all that stuff about uh, when. Uh, it has to do with the tenses of the verbs. But, but the point is... There are four key words in that verse. Four. They're the only words in the Hebrew. Now let me start with the last two, and I'm going to combine them. They would be the, the, the words city and rejoice. 
<coughs> that is, the city is happy about something. The city is rejoicing about something. About what? Well, we're, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But for now, who is the city? Um, the city, ladies and gentlemen, is the place where the righteous are found. It would be the host community. It, it is not necessarily an unrighteous place, but it is a non-righteous place. It is, um, it, it is, the text is describing the righteous living amongst the not yet righteous. Um, gang, it, it is not necessarily, or, uh, the city is not necessarily the opposite of the righteous. But it is the place in which it's the host community. It's the place where the righteous are found. The righteous live within the city. And, and so the city would be the not yet righteous. Okay, guys? Maybe, maybe, maybe these terms will help me define. The, the, um, the righteous are to be found living among the not yet righteous or in the city. Okay, In language that I know you're familiar with, it's New Testament language, it would go something like this. The Christian is in the world, but he's not of the world. He's not a part of the world. That's, that's the idea here, ladies and gentlemen. You got that. Now, that not yet righteous community is happy. They're happy over something. They're, they're celebrating. They're rejoicing over something. And they're rejoicing over something that has happened to the righteous world. The not yet righteous world is rejoicing over something that has happened to the righteous world. Now, isn't that odd? Is that what you find today, ladies and gentlemen, when, when, um, when what we're, the Christian church is being attacked in the media as being the place where mullahs uh, are leading some kind of um, jihad or, or something like that. But in this text, we're told that the city, the, 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 the community of the not yet righteous, are rejoicing over something that has happened to the righteous. Now, I've already told you what the righteous are. I mean, at least I've hinted. The, the, the Hebrew term is sadakim. It is a... Um, it's the plural of the term sadek. Maybe you remember the name of God, uh, uh, El Sinkanu, which is found in uh, Jeremiah 23, 6, where it says, the Lord is righteous. Well, th- that's the same term that you find in this text, uh, translated the righteous, and translated accurately, in the plural, the sadekim. That is, God's people are righteous because they belong to the righteous one. Now, gang, the point is, the the unbelieving world is very glad over something that is happening to God's people. The not-yet-righteous world is happy over something that is happening to us. What is that? Look at the text. They are rejoicing that the righteous are prospering. Now, Now, why would they be happy... To see us prospering. Do you think the non-Christian world is excited to see us get bigger houses and fancier cars? 
Is that what they're happy about? Hardly. But here's your answer, ladies and gentlemen. The non-Christian world rejoices when the Christian world prospers. Because the non-Christian world watches how the righteous uses their prosperity to invest in the city. The city knows, or at least the city should know, that of all the people of the earth, the one group of people that can be counted on to invest heavily in the overall well-being of the community would be those Christians. If anyone can be counted on to share the wealth, to give sacrificially so that the city can be benefited, it's those Christians. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever noticed, and this has been true since the, since the Christian church came into being, have you ever noticed, have you ever taken your child or your husband or your relative to a hospital here in Memphis? You know what your options are? Your options are Baptist hospital or Methodist hospital or St. Francis hospital or St. Jude hospital. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the city rejoices because they know that of all the people on the earth that can be trusted to use their wealth to invest in the overall good of the city, it's going to be those Christian people. Now tell me, ladies and gentlemen, What kind of church will we have to be? What kind of church will we have to become so that our prosperity will be the cause of the city's rejoicing? Gang, um, the city ought to know That a great deal of value is being brought into every community in which are found the righteous. Where the righteous are, they are pressing so much value into their communities that the city is ecstatic. Forget the church. What kind of person Are you going to have to be so that your neighbors will hate the idea of you moving out of their neighborhood? You know, they may laugh at you every Sunday morning when you're on the way to the church while they're on the way to the golf course. They may think you're a little bit weird. But when they heard the idea that you may be leaving their community, oh my goodness, they got very sad. What kind of person am I going to have to become so that even though my neighborhood doesn't share my beliefs and they don't attend the church where I pastor, that those same neighbors would hate the idea of seeing me leave their community? What kind of person do I have to be so that the city can rejoice when they see me prosper? Ladies and gentlemen, here's the question for us. Does this city in which we are found, does this city, as they watch us, are they rejoicing at our prosperity? Gang, 
Do they know that the people of Grace Evan are willing to disadvantage themselves so that they can prosper? Is the Christian community the righteous? Are they in some way serving the host community? Is Grace Evan willing to make sacrifices? So that, so that this city in which we find ourselves will be advantaged. Are we pressing so much value into this city, into this community, that though they may not attend here, or they may never share our belief system, that the idea that somehow this organization known as Gracie Van might leave it, that idea is utterly repugnant to them. The thought that Gracie Van might be lifting up and moving out of here, oh, they would hate that idea, even though they don't go to church here. Does the city rejoice as the righteous prosper? Now, guys, I, I, I think that should be true of every church, but I, the only one I'm a pastor of is this one. And the only community that we're a part of is this one. I ask you, does our community... Rejoice as they see us prosper. Guys, where do we have to go? And what do we have to be so that this city will rejoice as they watch the righteous prosper? Wherever that is, that's where I want to lead you. Gang, about a year ago, the elders of Gracie Van realized that we were going to have an overage, a financial overage, which is the first time it had happened in six or seven years. And um, I came to you back then, it was back in the fall, and I told you, um, I, in fact, I even wrote a letter in the news, the, the update, our newsletter, I wrote a little letter in there, and I told you then that we as the eldership had decided that the, in consistent with the grace venture culture, that we were going to give 30% of that overage away, which we did. In real terms, in dollar terms, it was this. We had $300,000 overage and we gave away $90,000. Gave it away. 30% of it. And I, you might recall, I came back and I told you, if the windfall was yours, what we did with this windfall is what we would hope you'd do with yours. Give sacrificially off of it, et cetera, et cetera. But once you've given the two hundred ninety, I mean, excuse, once you've given the ninety thousand dollars away, there's two hundred and ten thousand left. What do you do with that? Well, gang, once we had concluded that God had been honored by this windfall, then we were faced with what next, and there were numerous good options in front of us. My particular desire, which lost, was to see our bookstore expanded after this, uh, this lobby out here. I lost. There was all kinds of options in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. But what we kept asking is this. What has God called us to do and to be within our cultural context? Where we're located and the community in which we find ourselves... What is God asked of us to do and to be? And here's what we concluded. 
the bulk of those monies needed to be reinvested in people. Plowed back into the kingdom opportunities that we had. And we felt that one of the best options available to us, considering where we're located, was to invest in this community by offering better and bigger sports opportunities for them. We concluded that one of the best portals into this community was through a sports athletic program. It wasn't our only option, but we felt at that time it was our best option. And we wanted to invest in kingdom expansion in a way that would give us a chance of reaching that unchurched world out there. Of all of our options, ladies and gentlemen, we felt that the one that was the most consistent with who we were and who we are and where we're located and our mission statement and Grace Venture, which allowed us the best chance of accomplishing the Great Commission, was to invest in this way. So, gang, do you see how at least I... um, And I think I speak for the elders, at least how I see Grace Venture and an investment in an enlarged sports program are not contradictory. They're complementary. Then we are giving sacrificially so that we can focus on the Great Commission And we as the elders saw that as an investment in our city and an attempt at fulfilling the Great Commission. Now let me comment on that word sacrificially real quickly and I'm done. Um, gang, um, last Saturday, last the 12th of February, I was here for the men's breakfast. We have a men's breakfast once a month, and it was last Saturday, and I was there, and it was done, and I was on my way home. But on my way home, I had to drop off some uh, equipment that I had borrowed from the church for a supper in my house on the previous night. Some of you were at that supper. There was 35, 40 people in my home on the 11th of February. Well, we had a coffee pot, and we had an ice chest and that kind of stuff. So I was going to drop that off on my way home. So I pulled up over here uh, right outside the kitchen. Right out, uh, Maybe you all know where that is, that little, that little fenced-in, wooded fenced-in area. Right, I pulled up right over there. Parked my car and um, uh, got this stuff out of my car and took it into the kitchen and, um, you know, came back out, got in my car. And I decided as I was leaving, I was just going to go straight towards the back and go around the back, back by the gym and, and then out this exit over here. I don't know why I did that. I just was a whim, you know, but I, I was going that way. Well, as I was as I went straight and I was making my right turn right back here, um, right as I was making that right end turn, here comes this car. It was, it was driven by a teenage male African American student who was barreling across our parking lot and weaving in and out of the parking lot to avoid the speed bumps. And, uh, seeing him coming at me, um, I stopped the car and he missed me, missed slamming into my car by about, I don't know, five yards, here to the piano, something like that. 
And um, I wanted to choke him. I wanted to get out of the car and grab him. I didn't. He drove on, I drove on. And on the way home, ladies and gentlemen, he became for me a symbol. And the symbol for me was, am I willing to be disadvantaged so that young men and women like him can be reached? And if not reached... Can we have a ministry that will bring him and his friends to the place where they rejoice because this community of the righteous prosper? Can we have an impact on him so that he will be glad that we are present in his community? Sacrifices? Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be tons of them. There's going to be a potload of them as soon as this thing comes online. But instead of sacrifices, you know what we could call those? We could call them numerous opportunities to use our gifts for the upbuilding and the expansion of the kingdom of God. Or we could call them Grace Venture. Because that's exactly what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Grace Venture has a grassroots agenda. That is, we're trying to unfreeze some assets and get them involved in kingdom building. We are trying to bring you to the place where you know and enjoy exercising your spiritual gifts so that the kingdom can be benefited. So all of these opportunities would be ways for the kingdom of God here at Gracie Van to take their gifts and invest them in the expansion of the kingdom. Mama, wouldn't that be great? One more thought and I'm finished. Let's just imagine for a moment. You know, John Lennon sang that song, Imagine there's no heaven, no hell below, or, you know, or no, nothing but sky. You know, he, he was imagining God out of the... We're going to imagine something different. Let's imagine for the moment... That God allows us, that he crowns our efforts with a lot of people being saved. I didn't say he would. I'm just saying let's just imagine that. Let's just, let's just dream for a minute. Let's just imagine that he might do that among us. Do you know what that's going to mean, ladies and gentlemen? Among other things, it's going to mean... That some very undiscipled people will find their way into our pews to do nothing but take. They won't know the first thing about giving, perhaps for years. And that will mean, perhaps, that Gracie Van may be facing some years of real financial leanness. And I, for one, celebrate that. Celebrate? Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen. I celebrate it because once again, God would remind us of how desperately we need him for every facet of our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, financial prosperity is dangerous to the soul. 
It is dangerous to the individual soul. It is dangerous to the church soul. So much more so than adversity. It may require of many of us that we deny our flesh so that God's kingdom can be built. Or what otherwise is known around here as Grace Venture. Ladies and gentlemen, we're trying to put the adventure back into the Christian venture, and we call that Grace Venture. So come on, my brother and sister in Christ. Let's go disadvantage ourselves so that the city will rejoice. Our Father, I do pray that you will stir us all up to the to the calling that we have as a church in this particular locale, that we could in some ways invest our time and our treasures and our talents into reaching a community that right now is the not yet righteous. Oh God, give us success in our so doing. And might every decision we make be bathed with a sense of responsibility and duty to the King of Kings and all that we're up to as a church. Father, um, thank you for a congregation that is so interested in the Great Commission. And I pray that if we have erred, forgive us. But Father, do know, and I think you do, Father, that our, atten- our intention is that men and women might hear of the great claims of Jesus Christ on their lives as a result of our being in their community. Use us to that end, O oh God. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.